You want it. You need it. You got it. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we shoot low and go for the takedown with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is in fact the voice that you hear. Just about ready to welcome in a pair of guests to break down an absolutely wild week that was in UFC and beyond. This is a show, my friends, that is yet again guaranteed to impress. I'm not impressed by your performance. hey Bellator MMA star King Mo Muhammad Lawal drops by to help me address all of the MMA fallout from Sunday's WrestleMania 34 card in New Orleans, including Ronda Rousey's very impressive WWE debut and Brock Lesnar's new contract with the company, which reportedly allows for a return to the octagon. We will also look at the fallout from Conor McGregor's maniacal attack at UFC 223 Media Day, including what type of punishment should come his way from UFC and when, or maybe the question is if, we might see him again a lot to get into. The ITC is also happy to welcome in CBS Sports writer and editor Brandon Wise, who was cage side at UFC 223 in Brooklyn, and will help me break down what we saw in a well-bandaged card headlined by the lightweight coronation of one Habib Nurmagomedov. So much to talk about, folks. So little time. But before we get this party started, let me remind you that if you hear something on today's show that you like, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star review. Subscribe, rate. Hey, you know, do us that solid. Spread the word on social media using that hashtag in this corner. Follow this show's account on Twitter for your wrestling MMA and boxing needs at In This Corner CBS. Look, we back, baby. We are back. I back. Trust me. I back. But without any further ado, let the audio consummation begin. No, no, not that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's time. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, very pleased to welcome in my tag team partner here on the MMA coverage for CBSSports.com. Editor, writer, dog enthusiast, six foot nine, Brandon Wise, the <laughs> wise man, stepping back into the ITC octagon. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I heard you had a fun day of travel yesterday coming back from New Orleans. Yeah, there's no, you know, no, uh, no good deed goes without getting destroyed on, on your travel and all your flights canceled. And then, you know, but I was lucky. I was able to get the, literally the last seat, open seat left on the last plane to get out of New Orleans. And then I go to board this plane and that actual seat literally broke. And they were like, we're so sorry, sir. You're not going to be able to fly. And then some, like, 18-year-old kid took the money, gave me his chair. Not the money from me, you know, the voucher that they give. So all right. was good in the end. But when I did land in Hartford last night, they had canceled another flight. And I saw people turning into, like, Armageddon mode. Like, you thought Connor throwing a dolly through a window was intense? These people were ready to, like, you know, eat bones. Oh, yeah, anyway, who cares? Nobody's nobody's here to listen to my <laughs> travel stories. But the B-man, Brandon Wise, you were cage side. Not just Saturday for UFC 223 in Brooklyn, but that whole week, I I wanted to be there with you. Had to cover Mania, but even me covering Mania, I'm I feel like I'm getting pulled back to Brooklyn because this was one of the wildest, craziest weeks in the history of you know how, what do you want me to say? The history of MMA, the history of UFC. I mean, it was just <laughs> bizarre. You were on the grounds in Brooklyn. Try to give us a uh, summation of what life was like there for a few days. Man, I gotta just say, I think. Of the media that was with me there over the course of those three days of just absolute chaos, 
they have, nobody's ever seen anything like this. First, we have to deal with McGregor and whatever the hell happened there where he's throwing dollies and guardrails at buses trying to start a fight with Khabib and his team. Then Friday morning, we get to the weigh-in, and we're told almost immediately Max Holloway's not going to weigh in. So now we're just sitting in scramble mode and waiting to see what the commission and Dana White is going to do, still trying to get Khabib another fight, which would be, again, his third fighter that he was scheduled to fight in six days. How does he even focus on this That's fight insane. against Al Ian Quinta on Saturday night? He had to deal with three different opponents and strategies going into the night. And we know it's he's unbelievable. Like, he's mentally tough. Right? He's from Dagestan. He probably grew up like pulling live fish out of the out of the frozen river and eating it. Like like that's what I imagine. <laughs> like you know, shout out to 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 that lifestyle. But uh, he kept it together so well. And that Friday morning, you know, you talk about what you went through at the weigh-in. I'm at WrestleMania Media Day. And my phone's blowing up, and every time I look at it, he's got a new opponent. So, like, for this crazy carousel of what went on, do, who do we blame? Do we blame the New York Commission for pulling Holloway, like, a little bit too early? Like, how insane was that, where literally every 15 minutes it felt like he had a new opponent? So, they said, the, the uh, commission actually said that they kind of gave him a look early on. They let him keep weighing in. They let him... They, they monitored him on Thursday afternoon and Thursday night. They, they, kept, they gave him the okay. Then Friday when he got to the actual weigh-in and he was about to continue to try and cut more weight, they kind of looked at him, and I'm guessing that means that he looked almost dead, that they were like, look, it's unhealthy for you to keep cutting weight. So they decided to pull the plug there, and Holloway says that he was around 159 when this happened. So you can only imagine what another four pounds of cut would have done to him and how he would have even looked on Saturday. This New so York then, Commission, though, is starting to like get sketchy like Texas and Vegas is for boxing. I feel like New York Commission for MMA is starting to be a thing. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. They uh, they make their decisions pretty quickly, and they don't seem to really consult many people. For as much as Dana White wants to praise them after the, after the fact for everything that they had to go through this week, it was a little bit sketchy, not going to lie. Especially when all of a sudden Max Holloway – I'm sorry, Anthony Pettis just walks out and he weighs in at 155.2, he goes back to the backstage, and then 10 minutes later, they just pull the scale, and they're like, okay, we're done. <laughs> so well, tell me what so really happened no there. what was going on. Is that a power play by Pettis? Because seriously, look, at uh, even though Pettis has lost five of his last seven, and even though it's almost ridiculous to give him a title shot, under that scenario of, like, like uh, helplessness and, and, like, in desperate need, that's a, still a sexy main event. Like, if you have to save a card, Pettis, Nurmagomedov, solid – did Pettis only not end up getting that title shot because did he power play on the money? That's what it sort of looked like. So the rep the rumor was that he wanted money that UFC was not going to offer him. The commission came out later yesterday and said that they asked him again after he weighed in at 155.2 and said, do you want a second attempt at this? He said no, and that's when they pulled the scale. So, But that's what the commission's saying. Anthony might have something different to say, but that's what they're claiming happened. So I don't know if it was the money after all that pulled this, but I will say this. Ian Quinta in his backyard of Brooklyn, New York, fighting against Khabib, was still a great buzz in that arena for that main event because the arena was pretty split. A lot of people really wanted to see Ian Quinta win, and they did not want to see Khabib win really? on a short notice against his third opponent. You know, I wonder if uh... – I mean, I, you know, we talk about the mindset of Habib. I mean, Raging Al was probably focusing more on like, uh, trying to seal the deal on a timeshare with his real estate business, right? <laughs> and then like suddenly, no, bro, 
you're fighting for a lightweight title when you've only fought once in like three years because of your own issues with UFC. Dude, the whole thing is just so bizarre because like he'd almost been poison for UFC and now suddenly like they need him and he didn't even make proper weight, right? He was t- two tenths over thinking that, you know, they get that one pound cushion if it's not a title fight. Like this was as insane. Correct. I'm really shocked shocked that that main event went on i know why it needed to right but i'm shocked that habib didn't at some point just go you guys are out of control this is your problem look don't forget one comment habib did say in the press conference if you remember you were there he was like this is ufc problem this is not my problem this whole like opponent fiasco right like i think he said i'm sorry i think he said it to ariel hawani last week he was like ufc problem is ufc problem i only have habib problems i'm shocked that he didn't just at some point say goodbye to you guys, like put Rose in the main event, you're done, I'm done here. And that was actually a report at one point on Friday afternoon because, again, them deciding on Ali and Quinta took like four or five hours. We were sitting there in the hotel lobby just like hanging around, and UFC guys just kept coming out and saying, they'll be out shortly, they'll be out shortly. And we're all just like, what does this mean? Like, are they just going to – they could have – at one point we were thinking they might cancel the whole card, honestly, because that's how chaotic this became. So then. Obviously, what you said was about uh, about Khabib, he at one point was considering not even taking the fight. That was reported by Ariel Hawani. He said his, uh, his participation was not 100% because of how chaotic it was finding them an opponent. So the fact that they got Iaquinta and they got Khabib to agree to it on a day's notice, that's just, I mean, hats off to Khabib, man. He deserved it. He needed to get this title shot. It had been too damn long for him to wait to get a, his title shot. And they let him have it. Even though Iaquinta could not technically win the belt per the NSAC rules, Khabib needed to get this fight, man. He really needed it. And I think he put on a fantastic performance. Certainly. He put on his full arsenal. He wrestled. He out-wrestled a wrestler in the first two rounds. And then he outboxed him in the third and fourth. It was as good a performance as I've seen from him. Yeah, and that was a stiff jab that that bloodied up Iaquinta. And I mean, look, the only thing you oh, could it say, was only it was only about a hundred of them. Yeah, and the only thing you could say is, oh, he didn't finish him. But like you said, he showed you the full package. And oddly enough, this played out perfectly for a card that was insane that could have fallen apart. Like honestly, you know, if if McGregor's dolly hits Rose in the face or whatever, or does more damage, that whole card's done with. They're lucky it fell off. It came together. And then from the UFC's purposes, let's be really honest here. Max Holloway doesn't take a last minute loss now, right? Iaquinto, who could absorb a loss, takes the loss. You still have Habib being dominant. You still have him now as your full lightweight champion. You still now have future options for him. I think he showed me right there that yes, no disrespect to Connor or Tony, Habib is is the dude at fifty five. He's the most dangerous man in the room. Did you get that same feeling? Oh, for sure. I I mean, there have been people saying out there, Oh, Khabib has got so many holes in his game, he's not gonna be able to fight with Tony or Connor. I don't wanna hear any of that, man. Tony is a great fighter, do not get me wrong. But Khabib is just so different. We have never seen a guy who was able to get his takedown almost at will. Now, granted, he was 6 of 15 against Ian Quinta in this fight. But once he gets his takedown, you can't do anything. He will drag you down, pin you up against the wall, and become a kraken, just grabbing onto every limb that you have and then punishing you with rights and lefts, just beating you up until you say, I don't want any more. I don't think there's a fighter at 155 right now that is going to give him any trouble, any trouble. Well, I don't think Connor wants any of these problems. 
And I think Tony and Khabib is going to be the best fight at 155 this year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be sick and insane. But, and a lot of that is just because, like, throw out the uh, technique. Tony's just a crazy, one of the craziest dudes of all time who loves pain. So he's going to walk right into the middle of the Terror Dome and, 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 you know, we'll see a bloodbath. We'll see, we'll see two men going out there like, like, like classic fights of old. So I love that. And matchup. even if, and even if uh, Dana doesn't want to make this fight, he has to. There's oh, yeah. no way Tony's around making this that. fight at this point. What Tony went through in 2017, you know, with, with Habib falling out at the last minute, with having to, to do an interim title bout against an opponent, Kevin Lee, who really didn't deserve it at that time, and then now to kind of have his interim strap taken from him, then given back, now taken again? I mean, right now, do we know if Ferguson actually is the interim champ? I mean, I know it doesn't really matter, <laughs> but do we even know that right now? He might be the Bellator interim champ for all we know at this point. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I got to see that fight next, <laughs> and that's what I got to see. But to close on on Habib, there, he's doing that that say, like so. His ground and pound is obviously his his most intense, ridiculous weapon because he just controls you on the ground. But when guys are on the ground and they're like, okay, I'm gonna get just you know, I'm just gonna get clubbed in the face by I by Habib. What do I do? Well, they turn and give him his back. And Lesnar, if you exactly. remember the Frank Mir rematch has some of the most ridiculous from behind ground and pound. Habib's might be even better, where if you give him his, your back, he's just going to come with those undercuts, you know, uppercuts from underneath, and, like, you just have no hope of getting out of that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's unreal what you're able to see this guy do. When he had Iaquinta's back at one point in the first and second round, you could see Iaquinta looking up, trying to figure out where the hell Khabib even was, because he had no idea what to do. He was so lost. He was so not prepared for what Khabib was able to do in that fight. And who could be on a day's notice? That was just insane. The fact that Ian Quinta took that fight, I mean, hats off to him for taking that fight. And I'm hoping that Dana made it worth his while to do that. Yeah, I, I'm hoping. And, and you do have to give him the credit for for getting up off the ground early in round one when it could have been destructive for him and going the distance against an opponent who, exactly. by the way, there was sound out there from the uh, Helwani show from January, where, if you remember, why Quinta was like, who the hell wants to fight this Habib guy? Like, look what he did to Barboza. Nobody wants to fight this guy. Well, hey, Al, you just went five rounds with him, so congratulations to you. But this wasn't the best fight of the card, right? The best fight of the card was this women's strawweight title rematch, Rose Nami Yunus, Ioana Young-Jacek. Uh, th- is this like an all-time great female classic fight, or maybe even better than that, just an all-time great title fight? Because this was intense as heck, and I think we knew Ioana would be better in the rematch, or at least I thought. I, I didn't think we were going to get a, a replay of a, another first-round knockout. It seemed like that weight cut last last time around was legit to, to sort of rob her from what she's good at. Well, she came back. She was great. But Rose was better, man, and what a heck of a fight. How intense cage side was that? Oh, man, this fight, you could you could feel the energy right when that first bell went off that everybody was so tense waiting to see what dramatic moment was going to come. Everybody was trying to see, is Rose just going to keep feeling her out through this first round? Is Joanna just going to try and keep putting the pressure on? And nobody really could get a feel of like what was going to happen. When we got to the third and fourth round, you could start to feel the energy turn. Joanna was starting to make her move. She was starting to get pressure, and she was starting to land a lot better than she was in the first two and, uh, first two rounds. Then in the fifth, all hell broke loose, man. I mean, Joanna just started to pressure way too much, and Rose was able to slip and slip and dip, and then ran her counter punches and counter kicks. The fight was so good that I don't know. I think Claudia Gdalia too against Joanna might have been a better fight just because there was a little bit more danger in it for Joanna 
you know, you felt like she was getting close to being finished at one point, and then she obviously just flips the script and then finish and nearly finishes Gedalia there. But this fight, I really thought it played out so similar to Connor and Nate too, because Joanna's strategy coming in was she wanted to chop down the tree with the leg kicks. And she even said after the fight, ask Rose how her leg feels tomorrow, and then I'll let you know what I think about the fight. I think Joanna's strategy almost worked to a T, but she still didn't get the decision because she didn't land uh, significantly enough. She outlanded Rose 160 to 108, and 145 of those were significant strikes. I can't really argue with the numbers there because she did what she needed to do. She just didn't get the decision, and she let the judges make it for her. You know, it's like it's like what can if you're Joanna, what can you be upset about? You came out like you just said and kind of fought the perfect game plan, showed a ton of heart. I know she's saying that she felt she should have won. Uh, you know, I went back and, and, and watched that one and really, really had Rose winning. And the scary part here is, like I just said, if Joanna gives you all she she has and she still can't get over the top, that means Rose is something special. That means at twenty five after a real up-and-down start to her career, right, where she, she took some some losses in key spots that could have propelled her not just to, to becoming the champion in her first UFC fight, but to becoming the sort of the idea of what UFC thought she could have been, which was, you know, a 2.0 Rousey, a smaller weight class version of Rousey, who's flashy, pretty, can talk, can do some things. It's almost like she's such a different person and fighter now than she was back then, not just because she cut her hair and she seems to have a different demeanor, but how well-rounded she is, Brandon, is scary. It's like, are we starting a new era in women's MMA here? I know that like you can't just throw that out there, right? Because she could go out and lose against Andrade or Carolina in her next fight. I mean, look, we've seen her lose before, mm-hmm. but I've never seen her this perfectly well-rounded where it's not just the mental game. And look, the mental game is a big part of this, but her boxing is so on point. And I think ultimately she won this fight because of the poise and her movement and her jabs and her overhand rights. Man, we already knew how good she was as a submission fighter, but she's so scary now on her feet. I never thought she would get there. I think really that work that she's been doing with her husband, Pat Barry, has been paying off dividends so well because she is now doing so many things on her feet where she is able to just stand there. She doesn't even have to do the takedowns. She got a late takedown in this fight, and a lot of people think that that might have swayed judges in the final round, but... Her standing striking ability is so good. And she just did it against the best female boxer in the world, arguably, right now in the, in the sport. And it's crazy. She slipped so many punches that J- J- Jed Jercek was throwing and countering back with hooks that she couldn't – like, Jed Jercek couldn't do anything. We're really going to call her Jed Jercek. I don't want to call timeout on you here, but we're going to stick with this. We're going to call her Jed Jercek. Where are you going with this? Give me a pronunciation here. Give me a young Jacek <laughs> something here. All right, well, fine. We'll go with Joanna. We can't call her Joanna champion, though, anymore, No more. Right? No, that's over. That's over with. It's just Joanna. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. I think that her pure standing boxing has become the best part of her game that I'm a little bit concerned about just going Andrade against her because that's oh, yeah. all Andrade can do. And Andrade doesn't take no for an answer. She's going to walk into oncoming traffic with that. she got pretty cool exactly. haircut. And she's just going to keep walking through. Uh 
So something she told to me, this is uh, Rose, last week on this podcast that I really like. She said she was too much flash early on in her career, and she was, right? She was always kicking, always trying to go for, like, a crazy submission out of nowhere. She said one thing that Pat Barry did to teach her to get rid of the flash was says you can't kick anymore in fights. She literally had, like, a two, three-fight stretch, right, where he did not mm-hmm. allow her to kick in fights so that she would be more focused, more grounded, more poised. And then through the teachings of Trevor Whitman, or, you know, her striking coach, she was able to really refine that boxing. And now I see somebody who doesn't make mistakes, right? She says she knows how to be flashy when the moment calls for it. But by pulling back that flash, she's like a poised train killer. Again, she is so calm in the face of all adversity that she's facing when Joanna is throwing haymakers and trying to put the pressure on her and just keeps pushing forward. Rose is the calmest person in the world. She's just sitting back. She waits. She dodges. She protects. She blocks. And then she's countering. It's unbelievable how well-rounded she's become as a boxer and how well she's doing against these top-level women in the sport. It's crazy. Now, Andrade feels like trouble for her, and I'd love to see that fight. But do you think that she's at the point now where she's going to beat the Carolinas, the Claudias? Because obviously this division's not only no joke, I think it's the most exciting division in the sport. You think that she's now like... She can put together some, some title defenses. Do you get that confidence in her? I think that beating Joanna twice after Joanna dominated the division. We were calling her Rousey 2.0. She was a, on the verge of breaking that streak against Rose. I think that Joanna, I, I think that Rose has the confidence now and has the demeanor to be able to defend this title at least two or three more times. I just don't see anybody beating her right now. She beat the woman that everybody feared in that division. And now she's going to go on a title run. I think she's so similar right now to Amanda Nunes and how Nunes took the belt from Misha Tate and then destroyed Ronda Rousey and then beat Shevchenko in that fight. I think that she's going to have a run like that here coming up. Yes. Yes. So look, it's hard not to cheer for Rose. You know, she seems like a really good person. has been through a lot in her life, has put it all together. I want to hit you a couple quick hitters on the way out to round out some other highlights in this card. Let's stay right in that strawweight division because Carolina Kovalkiewicz. I think I'm going to stick with Kovalkiewicz. I'm just going to stick with Carolina. All right. I get it wrong every time. Get off my back. I'm with this guy, Coach Young Jed Jerzyk over here. All right. Anyway, uh, Coach K, right? Coach K K is the worst name that ever looks like and doesn't sound like the same thing, but whatever. Uh, Victory over Felice Herrig, but a split decision. This was an interesting fight because Herrig has, you know, had put some wins together. It looked like she was finally taking her career seriously, and we know Carolina's arguably the toughest out in this whole division. What would you think about this fight? So, I thought throughout the fight that Felice was chasing the whole time. Carolina came out as confident as could be. She knew what she needed to do to get the win, and she perf- she executed a perfect game plan. The two was it was a pretty similar fight actually to what Rose and uh, Joanna put on. Both, but both of these fighters actually went for a few more takedowns. Just neither of them were successful. I thought Felice was pressing way too much, and she was loading up way too much trying to land that knockout blow. She never could, she couldn't land it. And Carolina was able to deflect, block, defend, and she was countering well. And she landed very strongly with her jab and her hook. I think Carolina again, she might be the next one for Rose, honestly. She thinks that she want, after she beat Rose by split decision in her, their first fight, she thinks she's going to give her problems again. I think that might be the better fight as opposed to Andrade or Claudia Gedalia, honestly. That's, I love that. I love that fight. I, I'd love to see Rose, you know, get a chance to run back both rematches. I know Carla Esparza may not be at this point that high up in the rankings, although she's coming off a victory, certainly, but I'd like to see Rose 
this you know now retooled get to go back against both of those those key losses and try to run it back. But hey, big win for Carolina to stay right around that title picture. I know Felice thought had she won, she would have been in position for a title. But let's be honest, this division's crowded. Andrade right now is the one who I think is most deserving. Um, talk to me about this guy. I didn't know a lot about coming in, and yet my timeline's blowing up. Featherweight. Am I going to say this right? Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Talk talk to me about this uh, unanimous decision victory over Kyle Botchniak. So Zabit and Kyle actually had the best stare down of the ceremonial weigh-ins. The two got really close in each other's face, and they wouldn't back down when Dana was like telling them to to just, all right, keep it moving. We need to keep moving. Kyle was just standing there like a bulldog, just like, you want to go now? We can do this now. The crazy thing is, Zabit is 6-1, and he's fighting at 145. That's freak-like. Kyle is not a Kyle is not a small dude. He's like 5'7", 145. But he just looks so tiny compared to him. Those two go into the cage. We had kind of low expectations, but everybody was like saying, hey, man, Zabit is legit. Like, this is going to be a legit fight. And he put on one of those crazy kickboxing performances. He was looking for spinning back heels. He was bouncing off the cage looking for Superman punches. And Kyle Bakniak was just standing there. At one point, there was a gif that was going around. Bakniak put both hands down as the beat went to look for punches. And you saw Kyle just kind of go matrix, just going side to side, <laughs> avoiding it, and then screaming at the beat. The fight was so insane. When they, when they clapped for the final 10 seconds of the, of the third round, both fighters just kind of looked at each other, and they were ready to go. And they just threw everything they had left all out, balls to the wall, all of the punches they could throw. And then when the final horn uh, rang, they grabbed each other on the arm and just walked around the ring. Like they were just superheroes, basically. It was unreal to watch that in person. Yeah, I went back and watched those highlights. It was like a coming out party of a guy we need to keep our eye on. Now, Zabi is from Dagestan, so we know he's an absolute badass. I mean, I'm sorry to regionalize people like that. But, yeah, come on, he's got to be. <laughs> Nicknames are Zabist and ZM Punk. So, come on, I'm going to pop for that. But do you feel like we've got a – flashy Michael MVP, you know, MVP type of clone here or because look, there's been a lot of guys who've been super flashy. John Jones and McGregor in their early UFC runs were way more flashy than they ended up being when they got to the title level and you almost can't operate like that. Is this guy legit though? You think at featherweight in terms of watch out title picture, this guy's going to crash the party or is he another, is it going to be another Tom Duke and where I'm going to get all fired up and tell my friends and he's going to lose in front of me. Don't do who, who <laughs> don't do who Kim me here. Well, how good is this guy? Come on. We'll see. I mean, it'll really be interesting to see what they decide to do with him now. He actually called for Zaire uh, Rodriguez after the fight, even though we haven't really heard from Yair Rodriguez since he lost to Frankie Edgar last year, which is kind of crazy to me. He was my, uh, my golden boy hope to be the next title contender at 145. But I think Zabit has the skill and the stand-up boxing and kickboxing to, to, to mix it up with anybody, honestly. I'd love to see him fight against somebody else in the top 10 first just to see what he matches up with, you know? But, I mean, the dude is legit. He has the speed. He has the quickness to get around the ring, avoid, avoid heavy hands, avoid heavy kicks, and he can dish out as much punishment as you need him to. I'd really like to actually see that fight against Yair Rodriguez. I hope they make that this summer. Oh, wow. That's some flash-on-flash flash crime right there. I want to see that. I just hope they don't move him too quickly. Don't give me a Sage North cut here again. Like, let's let people actually develop, <laughs> right? Let's not let's not rush him in there. All right, finally, I want to— He has more flash than Khabib. That's the crazy thing. Like, Khabib is the very quiet assassin. This guy has a lot of a lot of swagger when he goes into the ring. 
Yeah, I love it. You know, I, I look, I'll always pop for a guy who can talk trash or does something flashy. It's just going to get me to, to care about him a lot more. I'm, I'm simple. I'm easy like that. Maybe it's a character flaw. I don't know. But as we move forward here out of this card, are we, are we in a good spot on the UFC calendar? Because look, 2017 was abysmal in terms of pay-per-view, uh, receipts, in terms of giving us consistently strong cards top to bottom. How are we looking the next few months in terms of UFC turning that narrative around? So I really think it'll be interesting to see what the reports are about the pay-per-view buys for this one, just because of everything that happened in the three days leading up. But I th- I really think that this summer is going to be a big uh, make or break for UFC. 225 in Chicago is going to be a huge pay-per-view event. You got Robert Whitaker against Yoel, Yoel Romero in the rematch of their title fight from last year. You've also got another uh, fight night, the first one in Liverpool, when you get to see Darren Till against yes. Stephen Thompson. I yes. mean, come on. Who's not going to pop for that? But um, the bigger fight on UFC 225, you got that fight. And then you have the interim title fight between Rafael Dos Anjos and Colby Covington because the UFC says that Tyron Woodley doesn't want to defend his belt right now. It's going to be a crazy summer, man. I really think that card and UFC 226, when you get to see Stipe Miocic against Daniel Cormier for the, the heavyweight title, champion against champion, that's going to be a defining moment. If they can make that card pop, they're going to be in a good spot for the rest of the year. And we do. We're, we always have that November MSG card to, to sort of build to as well. We know UFC's not going to cheap out on that one. Like that's going to be. You think legit. they're going back? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I do. Come on, that's they're breaking. They're they're almost breaking MSG like gate and crowd numbers every time they go there now. I mean, look, that's a famous building, and UFC's doing big business when they go. Granted, they've stacked the cards, but I feel like we're going to build toward another stacking. Let's hope we get. Something big over the summer, though, late August, you know, something in August to keep the momentum going. And when I say big, I don't mean Floyd Mayweather, okay? I'm talking about something legit here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Let's make it happen here. I want to come on. Keep me, keep me fired up here, UFC. You know, I, I can tell right Pennington, Nunez. That's fine. You know, that, that keeps the chains moving, but I need something big to, to build toward. And by the way, I love the sneaky good Gage G Poirier fight this weekend. So that fires me up. You? I'm so, I'm so in on that fight, man. Plus, we get to see Israel Adonaje again. I thought you were going to say Carlos Condit's coming back because I'm like, that's not moving my oh, needle. God, but don't do on. that to me. No. Don't do that to me. All right, BYU. Also, at 227 this summer, by the way, in early August, is going to be the rematch of your favorite fight, TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. Love, love that fight. By the way, if they could just fight each other again and Dominic Cruz could fight either one again, I mean, come on. This, this sells itself. That I love that division. I love this trio. I love those fights. And by the way, TJ's the I'm best so player. worried that Dominic's not going to fight anymore. Yeah, yeah, I know. But TJ's he's the been, best. He's of the going three. under another surgery. He is, but you will you admit now that TJ's the best of the three? He's that dude. No. You know he no. is. No. Yes, he is pound for pound no. like number two or three right now in my inside of my brain. That's okay. He's gotta fight Garbrand again. Hey bro, he beat Cruz, by the way, and they didn't give it to him. They didn't give him a rematch either. And then he, <laughs> he knocked out the next the next big thing, Cody Garbrand. So I'm I'm team Dillashaw right now. You're gonna have to get me off That's of this. That's okay. Mouth. Cody had him knocked out in the first round, as Cody will continue to tell you. He needed help to get back to his corner. Yeah, he got a little bit saved by the bell, but yeah, you know, that's part of this part of the breaks right here. <laughs> come on, come on, you know, whatever. All right, be wise, the wise we'll man. Wait, they'll settle in August. They will. They will. We'll find out. We'll put our money where our mouth is right then. All right, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. Brandon Wise, can people follow you on the interwebs anywhere? At Brandon Wise six five on Twitter. All right, this is this is my guy right here, strong combat sports writer, editor. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Thank you, man. Oh yeah. 
TBC, King Mo, coming back at you, reunited. So much to talk about the fallout of UFC 223, WrestleMania 34, and all the MMA storylines that bled through that. King Mo, it's a it's a beautiful and bright Wednesday morning here. How are you in South Florida? Oh, uh, man, I'm good. Getting hot. It's humid, but, you know. Gotta do what I gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do to take yep. out Ryan Bader and get to that Bellator heavyweight championship. Every week I like to get a little update from you on camp, on your mentality. Are you, do you get to like an angry point in camp where you're like, I just want that fight to come tomorrow? Uh, sometimes, but the thing is, when you're patient, things, good things come. I'm not trying to rush nothing. Be patient because he'll get his ass whooping pretty soon. Wow. Wow. I'm trying to figure out what, uh, what equation, uh, under the King Mo math he will, he will end up, you know, succumbing to. Will it be, you know, hands plus wrestling equal a problem? Is that going to be the, uh, the downfall for him in this one? Nah, man. It's, it's, it's going to be something different. It's tenacity, aggression, pressure equals dog out. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring the fight to him. I'm going to dog him out. I'm serious. I'm going to bring the fight to him. None of this, like, hopping around stuff. No. I'm bringing the fight to him. All right, all right. I might have to add that to the uh, to the King Moisms of you know damage plus a lack of gas equals trying to find a way out. We we may oh, see yep. that. We may see that. Yep. And you know, don't forget the the classic. The moment you make a machine think, it malfunctions. Yep. Malfunctions. It's over. And we we've seen that. Who knows how many times in in, in sports. Absolutely. All right, King Mo. Sunday night, WrestleMania 34. I was there inside the Mercedes Benz Superdome in Louisiana. Uh, wow. It was it was a fun event. I think it's. My personal take from being there, and a lot of people have listened to our In This Corner WrestleMania reaction pod have already heard this, but I thought it was a really strong show. It didn't finish as strong as it did early on, but being in there, hearing the crowd, this was something that felt special to me, one of the better WrestleManias. From your vantage point, how did you take in this experience? Whoa, double thumbs down from the king here. Yeah, other than Ronda's match, because they did a great job telling the story. It's like a trick. Did that match... Was the typical match you learn in wrestling school, except a few twists and turns. But it was great. Um, let me see. Uh, the the Ginger Mahal's match, the with the Intercontinental title. There wasn't much I could. I was kind of. I'm gonna be real with you. I was kind of like yawning because. Wow. It, like 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 last year's wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. The year before was okay, but I feel like it's gotten worse and worse. And the matches, the expectation of the matches. Are so high that people, even if they're even though they're low, people still accept it. Like I knew Shinsuke was gonna lose the moment I saw Asuka lose, Asuka lose, and I saw I, in SummerSlam. I knew the moment that um, Asuka won, I knew that Shinsuke was gonna win. So did you th- was, did you think was, that Vince McMahon almost played to the mark? So it's like, hey, Marks, we'll let you have your favorites, Asuka and Shinsuke, win the Royal Rumbles respectively, but we're not putting them over at Mania. I, I, I think that. Hmm. It's hard to explain with Shinsuke because I think they turned him heel. He hadn't been heel since he was at Chaos and years ago. So they turned him heel. So that was different. Asuka was weird. It's weird for me to see her get pinned. I mean, get beat clean. See her tap out was something, something strange. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, um, and then last night, Charlotte drops the belt. So I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe it's a way to get the belt back on Asuka, but I'm not sure. But um, other than that, Ronda did a great job. Yeah, let's get into Ronda here because, uh, King Mo, every WrestleMania has 
a match or a moment that becomes like I say, I like to say it becomes the poster for it in your mind, right? If I say WrestleMania 24, you're like Ric Flair retiring, taking the super kick, right? You know, if I say WrestleMania 3, Andre getting slammed. So Ronda earned this moment. She owned this mania. And you mentioned, you sort of teased it off the top. It was simple, perfect booking. It was basic tag team wrestling. You know, let heal out early, build up that heat, build to that hot tag. And I feel like they insulated and protected her in the way that best put her out there as a star. Yeah, because here's the thing, right? Like I said, if they want to make, if they want to make Ronda look good, they had to put it with Charlotte Flair. I went Asuka maybe, or that tag team match, because the tag team match, if you notice the match, when it first started, because let's be real, Ronda did, she did, she didn't do that much, but she did enough to captivate us all. So when the match first starts, they start talking, they start talking. Stephanie man walks up, pulls up by the hair, boom. She takes a bump. Cheap heat. So everybody's like, boo, boo, boo. Okay, time for the hot tag. When the hot tag was to come, guess what Steffi does? Pulls Ronda off the apron, boom. Classic. Cheap heat. Cheap heat. You know what I'm saying? So right then, it, it was right then, it was like, you know, the mat, like, you know, mat, like, it's, a, it's a basic match, but it adds some twists and turns. But the thing is, for me, I can see some of the stuff that's predictable because I did wrestling school. You know what I'm saying? Like, for instance, like when they had a double submission and I saw Kurt Angle start to move towards we're facing Ronda, and I was like, forward roll. Forward roll. Triple H is a forward roll. Kurt Angle falls into Ronda and then Ronda, she rolls out the ring. So I'm saying like, they did a great job of uh, manipulating and telling a nice story. And, and the thing is, what Ronda, the thing I like about Ronda is, she didn't move too fast. She let it, she, like, the thing is, like, look at the arm bar. She played with the arm, switches over to the, to the right side. Yeah. Which, I, so I was impressed most by her timing. You're somebody who's made the same adjustment, really. I mean, you know, not maybe not a WrestleMania featured match, but you've gone from MMA to pro wrestling. How how impressed were you in terms of not just her facials and her intensity, but knowing where to be, waiting it out, perfect timing? Well, the thing is, like, I'm not, I'm I'm impressed, but the thing is, like, I'm not surprised. You know why? Because when you're in the ring with Kurt, I've seen Kurt Angle do some stuff in the ring back in TNA backstage. He's wrestling Jeff Hardy. And Jeff Hart, you know his finishing move. I forgot. I forgot the name of the move. I forgot. But he had he had Kurt in the middle of the ring, but too far, too far away from him. The swan so time Kurt, bomb. Yeah, the swan time bomb. So Kurt jumps up, runs up the runs up the rope to him, and actually he's try to do something to him. And Jeff hits him, and Kurt falls down closer, so he can hit the swan time bomb. Those, like, you know, they Kurt and Triple H can, can wrestle a match in their sleep. Steffi didn't do too much, but she just did enough. She played the heel role. She's a great heel. She's a great, great heel. heel. Yeah. Great heel. And the thing is, Ronda, you, you can tell Ronda had some say in the match because the armbar submission, like the, the defense, like, you know, Steffi doesn't submit the defense, but the fact that Ronda had say in what goes on in that match, she had, you know, that was good. I didn't think the crowd would be that into it. I didn't think it would be the longest match on the card. And every time I thought the match was going to end, it felt like it got better and they had an extra swerve. Now, the the key in that, King Mo, is that there's three Hall of Famers essentially around her that insulated her. Can she have those same type of results against a, a singles women's athlete in like a payback pay-per-view, for example? No, she's not ready yet. Because the thing is that – so think about this, right? Ronda would get killed off like in a match. When, 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 when Kurt Angle ran into her, she was killed off, dead. But guess what? When Kurt was about to get pinned, she came in for the save. 
Now, with the camera angles, I promise you this, when you're watching that pay-per-view, if you go back and watch the, watch the match of pay-per-view, it's night and day compared to when you watch it live. You know what I'm saying? Because pay-per-view, they're like, they cut the angles, like, there's just botches I saw, not from her, really, because, like, you know, she, you know, she botched a few, like, two spots, but she played off good. She kept on wrestling. Some people botch it, they mess up. She did a great job. But there are other matches in there that I saw some bad stuff, and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up. Wow, wow, so wow. Uh, so overall, you know, I got to give R- Rousey and the match, you know, essentially an A. Very impressed what they did. I want one more question on where Rousey could go here. Monday Night Raw, they opened the show. I was there in New Orleans at the Smoothie King Center with, you know, perfectly with Steph McMahon coming out, arm in a sling. She's playing the heel authority figure. Only she, in storyline mode, was really polite to Ronda, congratulating her. Ronda pops the crowd by putting Steph back into an arm bar and just kind of like smiling it off. So you f- you're getting the feels, King Mo, that they're trying to do a women's version of Stone Cold against Vince McMahon. Only in storyline and kayfabe, Ronda kind of acted like a, like like a heel there. Like I didn't really understand that. Did do you do you get a feeling of where they're going here? No, they don't know where they're going just yet because the thing is that Ronda's not ready to do a match just yet. If she does a match, it'll be a squash match. The match will be squash matches. She's not ready for a ten minute match. That's a lot of unless it's like a basic match to where. She gets some heat, like oh, the dude, get, you know, whoever she's wrestling, cuts her off. She gets some heat. She comes back. The per- the wrestler powers out the ring. She chases him. They get back in the ring. She gets boost stopped to her, and, and then you know they wrestle, double down. She powers up. Finish. It, it has to be like something like that, something basic for her because anything too advanced, unless she's with unless unless she's with Charlotte Flair or someone in there that can command the ring and knows the ring like the back of their hand, she she'll be in trouble. But the thing is, WWE was smart. They protected her because when you put with three Hall of Famers, there's no, there's no way she could fa- fail unless she purposely tries to. I wonder if she'll get the Goldberg booking, you know, moving forward. Because look, she had some squash matches in UFC, right? There, you know, there was some, you know, you look back at the Katz and Gano, Alexa Davis fights. These are fights that were ending in like, you know, 15 to 30, 45 seconds. So I wonder if they try to repeat that for a while to allow her to gain some more experience. Well, you can't do squash matches to gain experience. That's a fair point. Yeah, we do more. We do we do matches and matches and matches. Like, and the thing is, like, my problem with this whole thing is they book Ronda good, but at the same time, they have to look at how they book Nia Jax. Check this out, right? When Nia Jax faced Alexa, I know we're off topic. When she faced Alexa Bliss, does anything sound seem weirder than the introduction? And what at WrestleMania? uh, Well, I got those chairs for Nia Jax. She's she's an organic baby face now. Hey, peep this now. Now, here's what I mean. The introduction, they said, Wayne, 272 pounds, Nia Jax, right? They talked about how big she was. Then Alexa Bliss, they're like, and you're a champion, Alexa Bliss, because they can't, how can you, she, Alexa Bliss will weigh 100 pounds, right? <laughs> so how can she put damage, big and brutal, Nia Jax? So, so when you, if you look at that match, right, Alexa was, Alexa was putting the boost to her, doing some damage. So how in the world would you book Ronda Rousey versus Alexa? I mean, versus, versus Alexa, Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jackson? Because don't forget, Ronda Rousey, then their choke slam Triple H threw into a table. Yeah, I, she. Well, I think she went a little too far in that build. I know why they did it that way, but even in that match when Ronda's throwing haymakers and Triple H is covering up in the corner, I'm like, can we bring this back to a little bit more base of reality? That was really my only my only problem with that whole match. Oh, but the, the match was more of a comedy. It was kind of it was like it wasn't too serious. It was like a fun match, you know, which was good. Um, but as far as like the booking, how are you gonna book? 
I, okay, think about this. Oscar lost to um, tonight. Oscar beat Nia Jax, I believe. Nia Jax, if you look at her, she she should not lose. I agree. You know what I'm that. saying? I agree. She should not lose. And the way she ra- look, look, that match with Alexa Bliss was terrible. Was too much, too much selling. Too much selling for the Giant. That that could have and should have been a squash because of how juicy that angle was about like Nia being yeah. fat shamed. Basically, the whole build up, and then it was like now she's coming back to squash the bully. That could have been a squash match, but yeah, it should have been. Just look how Nia Jax is throwing her by her hair, all like flinging her by her hair, flinging her like ragdolling her. And then you mean to tell me that she misses a thing and. What's them uh, Alexa Bliss kitchen a leg and it's over? And then she then starts putting boots to her? Come on. All right, to close on Rousey, one more point here. She gave an exclusive interview after WrestleMania to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne and basically said, it felt like to me she's finally having closure from her UFC defeat. She says, for the first time, she's happy she got knocked out by Holm and Amanda Nunez because now this, you know, this led her to WWE, blah, blah, blah. So for me, King Mo, somebody who's been a, Really a bad interview since her UFC defeat. She's only done hand-picked interviews in which she's controlled the environment, except for just a couple weeks ago in hyping WrestleMania, and we saw those train wrecks. I felt like she's at peace, so I got to say I'm happy for her. I'm happy that she's she's able to now look at the end of her UFC <coughs> career and see that as the proper transition into a, you know into a new phase of her life. I think this is the happiest, most content she's been. Well, the thing is, I think she was happy when she got done MMA. I think the moment she lost, she was like, no pressure, because – Let's be real. I think that, I think that now, I think the problem with her before is like before she got to MMA, she was before she got into the, um, to the WWE, she was still in MMA, entrenched in MMA. The fans were all on her, but now she's the WWE, and the, the MMA fans realize she's not coming back, so they kind of leave her alone. And the WWE fans, the pro wrestling world, has embraced her. So that's like, it's a different fan. It's a different fan base she's dealing with. So I think that she's more at peace now because she's not, she ain't got to deal with the MMA fans no more. She just deals with pro wrestling fans. And she's not going to take any knockout losses in pro wrestling. All right. Other big-time WrestleMania crossover MMA UFC news, of course, is Brock Lesnar. So let's start first in the wrestling side. In the main event against Roman Reigns, the whole build was about Brock's going to leave when his contract is up after WrestleMania, go to the UFC. They played a they play that real life part of it up huge. And what that led to, King Mo, was 99.5% everyone saying Roman Reigns has to win and win back the belt here. We thought it was going to be predictable. The crowd during the main event checked out. They checked out right away. And by the way, I don't support them in that because that main event was physical and it was intense. They checked out. They're hitting beach balls. They're, they're chanting different stuff. But the swerve. The swerve, I, I, I applauded. I said, you know what, Vince McMahon? You do got a few tricks left up your sleeve because you just played – this whole crowd, the whole WWE universe for a full year, and we didn't have to see Reigns go over predictable. Man, I'm gonna be real with you. I knew Brock wasn't gonna leave. I knew. Like the thing is that, that the thing, that the main thing about it was Brock leaving, going to the UFC. Dan White hinted. Dan White might have thought that he was gonna leave, but he didn't. The match was the same match Brock's been doing for the past three years. Yeah, but we got a little hard, we got a little hard way elbow there to get the get the crimson hey, mask on. Right? We already we already saw that when he when he, when he wrestled Randy Gordon last year. Yeah, he went, yeah, he went too far in that regard. Sure. So so like like what's different? Suplex City, we saw that. All right, it was. I think I, I, I guess I'm banking on the swerve, the swerve because no, the swerve was good, but at the same time, like, would you go from there? Bobby Lashley heat, Bobby Lashley build up. No, I don't know what's gonna happen next. Braun Strowman, who knows? But the thing is, it's just it. I, I, it was a, the match was just the thing about the swerve could be good if the match was better. The swerve was good, but if the match was better where Roman Reigns had a, a better hope spot, 
They have well, a, they had him kicking out of like four different F5s, so they were yeah. really trolling fans. They were they were you know trying to anger the fans just to give them the swerve in the end. It was but, interesting. No, but think about this, right? It, it wasn't interesting because the cows started booing. Think, here's when I started losing my mind because I was like, okay, Brock took off his gloves. Oh, he took off his gloves. So he'll punch him. Elbow. Why would you take your gloves off? Throw an elbow. Like it, it, it's it's like some of like they could have done something. Brock Brock had been like you know, but he know SC got frustrated, threw punches. Roman, you know, no sold them. Elbow, elbow, cut. That's it. You know, he could he could tell a different story. Went on to elaborate, but the thing is, the crowd grew, grew restless because all we saw was suplexes, suplexes, table through, like you know, F five through the table. He did drop Roman so, on his head. That was that was a little fishy there on the floor. It was it was crazy when he threw him with the. But but other than that, like for the crowd at WrestleMania to be like, this is awful. My boy was there. He came, he was from Tampa. He was like, Mo, I'm on the floor. And they're chanting, this is awful. Cause I, cause I thought, I was like, are they saying this? Cause when I watched it on TV, I was like, are they saying this is awesome? Cause I think it's saying this is awful. <laughs> so I text my boy and he's like, Mo, you're right. They're chanting, this is awful. Uh, when, like, Brock Lesnar's never heard that. I've never seen that Look, in a mini bit. I thought Vince McMahon set that up. I never, I don't give Vince barely any credit anymore. Cause I think he's, no, 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 but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you look at like Wrestle News and uh, on PWU, um, it's, like you know, what I'm saying like there was a big argument. The the, the finish was changed mid match. Yeah, there's a couple key clues here that came out in the dirt sheets. One that Brock didn't stay in the ring for the firework explosion with the belt on his shoulders that they had planned, and that he just ran backstage, and that it led to some argument between him and Vince. Some dirt sheets say Brock threw the belt at Vince. I don't, I don't believe that went that far. The other thing was when Roman, after the match, went down to the floor to recover, Roman's dad, Sika, right, the WWE Hall of Famer, basically was like, we don't lay down for nobody, and like kind of seemed like he broke kayfabe there and was sort of yelling at his son. So that was, we're trying to figure out, you know, was the finish changed last minute? Look, I think the fans got swerved. I got swerved. I enjoyed getting swerved. I was fine with that. The fallout King Mo was that Monday, WWE announces before Raw that Brock resigned with them. So that's suddenly going, oh, whoa, what's going on here? So that made me feel in the moment, like Vince told had this story well in advance, and that Dana may have been part of it, because Dana, remember, strategically put out that photo of him and Brock shaking hands on Instagram, like right at the beginning of this Reigns-Lesnar yeah, See, Dana got worked. Dana got worked. He wasn't part of it. Well, I he thought got, he did, but he got, then when you find out after the fact, King Mo, we found out uh through late Monday, people that, you know, Dave Meltzer of MMA Fighting that are sort of in on the inside, that part of Brock's deal with WWE is the allowance for at least one MMA fight, if not more. So, I think Dana and, and Vince were in cahoots in the end. No, the thing, here's the thing. Right? Think about this, right? I don't think Dana was in on it. I think Dana thought he was going to sign him because I think I think I think Brock to still fight one fight, but who knows versus who? Because it would make no sense for the fight for the belt. Well, that's what Dana's saying publicly. Dana's saying the winner of the Cormier Stipe Miocic fight at at two twenty six in in July. Well, if it happens, it happens. But we'll see. We'll see. I hope it does for Daniel or Stipe to get paid. But I just don't know because. In pro wrestling, the wrestling world, there's a lot of lies. One thing I know for a fact, well, everyone's getting worked. And can you trust anything Dana White says? Nothing. I was just going to say that. You can't, Dana White's basically a pro wrestling promoter right now. You cannot trust a thing that he says. Yeah, you know, not at all. And, and, and let's say, let's say Brock comes back and wins the belt somehow. Then what? At that, then what? So that's the dicey situation. Then what? Because you're under contract to WWE. But I, I think it goes back to, when WWE allowed Brock to go to UFC 200 to keep him happy, let's not forget the gamble that they took because had Mark Hunt knocked him out, right? 
Brock had to be at SummerSlam in less than a month. Like, so if Brock, you know, if Brock had gotten destroyed there, that would have changed the way he's presented in pro wrestling. So I always felt like uh, UFC sort of owed WWE something for that. And I wonder if they worked in cahoots in this build and said, all right, Dana, you float this picture. You keep saying publicly that Brock's going to leave because that's the story we're trying to tell. But when he resigns with us, we need to keep him happy. He wants but another fight. So- I, I don't think Brock – because the thing is, the wrestling, like one thing I know from wrestling, like wrestling, people get worked. Think about this. Brock has tried to leave how many times? He left, he left one twice for the football and for MMA, right? Kurt Angle was trying – I remember years ago, Kurt Angle was telling TNA – He's going to try for the Olympics. I know good and well he's too old for the Olympics. He's, he would he'll get smashed. But people, they try to work these angles and be like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go box. I'm gonna just just to try just in hopes to get, get more money. Everybody's working at all times. You're working me right now, Kingbo. Everybody's working. Come on. <laughs> it's always everything's Life's a work. Well, so I think Lesnar coming back is great for pro wrestling because look, he's got to be. I know people are annoyed he doesn't show up enough. I think the fact that he doesn't show up enough makes him an attraction, right? Yeah, yeah. If he was wrestling yeah, yeah. every week on Raw, we'd be so sick of it. But he's like he's like he's like a, a more frequent version of the Undertaker. That's when we saw the Undertaker. Yeah, exactly. In the, wow, Undertaker's back. And with the Andre know? the Giant movie coming out, and it's sort of him being presented in that documentary as like the last great special attraction. I think Brock is the only one, maybe with Undertaker, that 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 is doing that in the modern day. They come around so infrequently that it's special. It is, and maybe you're sick of the routine of a Brock match because it's the same thing, but it still brings eyeballs. It's still a crossover thing. I'm glad he's back. The key will be about the MMA thing, Kimo, because we know he's got to finish what the six months left in his USADA. Uh, suspension. So when he announces he's coming back, when that happens, he's got to enter in that pool. He's got to bleed and piss clean for six months. So I think he's waiting around. Personally, here's what I think. I think he's waiting around to see what happens with John Jones. If John Jones gets cleared and, and can come back later this year or early next year, then Brock re-enters the testing pool. Yeah, that, I, I can see that. I can see that. Who knows? But we get to wait and see. Wait and see because things are kind of quiet in the John Jones side. So it might be some good news for John. Don't know. Hey, maybe if uh, King Mo uh, wins the Bellator Heavyweight Championship, we see uh, King Mo and Brock Lesnar. I'm, I'm just uh, throwing things out on the board. Let's see if they stick. I'll fight whoever as long as it pays like as long as it pays big Brock money. This guy's I'll a money weight fighter, King Mo. He don't care. He don't care. Not at all. Love it. Love it. Uh, King Mo, we got a lot. We got a lot of other random stuff to talk about. I want to talk to you more about this bigger picture stuff going on with Conor McGregor because, like, let's not gloss over it. What happened last week? When Conor McGregor crashed the party at the UFC 223 Media Day and essentially attacked Habib Nurmagomedov, which didn't feel like to me like attack him like, hey, let's hype a future fight. It felt to me like I got to get my boy Artem Lobov back for getting slapped on camera four days earlier, and I might be trying to kill you. And now we got a messy situation. Of course, McGregor got arrested, three counts of assault, criminal mischief. He has a June 14th court date coming up. So, King Mo, in the aftermath, Dana White saying this is the most disgusting, despicable thing in UFC history. But after Saturday's UFC 223 card, when Habib wins, suddenly it's like, you, Dana, in the press conference, you know, this is not so bad. If the worst thing that happens is a dolly going through a window, I've seen worse in other sports. This is not the worst thing, end quote. King Mo, people saying it's a work. I'm frantically arguing, saying, are you kidding me? Where do you weigh in on this whole Conor McGregor fiasco? I'm ex- I think everything you're saying is kind of wrong. I'm gonna tell you why. He wouldn't try to get his boy Artem Lobov back. Get back for what? With the, wait, like, wait, he got slapped behind the head a few times. Okay, that makes no sense for him to crash a thing, throw a dolly through a bus, 
He didn't go on the bus to foot for Habib. He threw a dolly through the bus. You know why? Because he doesn't want to fight Habib. And what he's doing is he's trying to build hype on his own side and let him know that, hey, I don't want to fight. I don't want to take this fight. But if you want me to fight Habib, pay me cash out money. Pay me big money to fight Habib, and then I'll step away. Because watch this. If he's going to fight Habib, probably in Moscow or Russia. Cash out. So you're saying, yeah, I mean, that could produce the kind of money that would get him back, right? If they do that in Russia, but I don't know yeah. if it's even globally safe to put that fight. Yeah, who knows if it's globally safe, but the thing is that, the thing is like, if Habib, who's in with the government most likely, and some of the, they'll, they'll take care of him and make sure he's okay. But the thing is, it's a cash out move. Because he don't want to fight. Connor don't want to fight Habib. He don't want to fight no more. So you don't think, okay, so let's pause it. You don't think that, I felt, I got, maybe I got caught in the work on this angle. I really thought that the only reason he was that nuts was he's so loyal to his guys, right? That's why he jumped the cage in that Bellator match and pushed Bellator officials and pu- tried to punch one in support of his teammate. I felt like this was like, I'm ride or die. I got my teammates back. Um, I mean, cause look, he wasn't trying, like you said, he wasn't trying to get in Habib's face to hype a fight. I mean, he could have killed somebody. I, I don't want to go crazy moral high ground, but you throw a dolly through a window, that pulled three different fights off the card. Yeah. That could have took the whole card out of commission. It could have, you know, ended somebody's career. And guess what? Guess what? The, at the same time, it also showed that, like, you know, he's crazy. Oh, Connor's crazy. He's not fit to fight. That's just showing Connor. Connor don't want to fight. Connor don't want that fight. He don't want that fight. Think about this. If you want, if you want, if you want that fight to happen, you'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. You won't go out there and punch the guy in the face or throw shit through 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 a, through a bus. That no, no. You'll be like, all right, Daniel, let's make this fight happen. You'll hype it up, but you won't do anything to jeopardize the fight. And what Connor did, he kind of jeopardized the fight. But in the same time, once Habib won, he knows, hey, I'll fight Habib, but pay me money. And guess what? I heard, I heard Dan White was renegotiating his contract for a certain reason. All right, so let's let me let me let's I want to hear your take on a few of these things. All right, let's just let's hear rumor number one that UFC set this up and was in on it and allowed him to crash, but maybe Connor went too far. Where do you stand on the idea that part of that thing that happened Thursday, right? Because UFC, by the way, took that footage in their embedded series and made it a giant ordeal, right? It was like, hey, watch this. We got the we got the best camera angles on this. Do you think any part of that was a setup? Nah, because that's the case. Then you could be like John Jones when John Jones and Dan got into it as a setup too. I'm not. I I think that what happened was they were happy Connor was there. They're like, oh, Connor, Connor's here, cool. And then Connor was like, I'm here. I'm here to do damage because I don't want to fight Habib. That's an interesting take. I have not heard or thought of that angle that he went to that degree because he doesn't want to fight Habib, but he wants to hype himself up. But here's because, the but think about this though. But here's the thing, right? Okay, he doesn't want to fight Habib, right? But Dana White knows if he fights Habib, it's big money. So what do you, what would you do to get Conor McGregor to fight Habib? Throw throw as much money exactly, as you possibly exactly. can. Exactly, and that's what it is. And it's a, it's a cash-out fight because Conor will probably fight one or maybe two more fights. If he beats Habib, he'll fight one more time. If he loses Habib, which I know he's going to lose Habib in a dramatic, like brutal fashion. Wow, I was going to get to that question, but let's jump right into that. You say how they stand now. If they Let's say if they were going to fight later this year, you got Habib by, like, soul-taking ground and pound? Shang Tsung. Remember Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat? Yes. Shang Tsung, take his soul. Wow. Because, wow. Because, yeah, because the thing is, the only person, I'm going to be real with you, and this is going to sound weird, the only person I see beating Habib outside of Ferguson is my boy Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier? Whoa. Yes. Born yes, on the yes. bayou. What do you got going? What, what, what does he have in his bag of tricks that he could take this, this guy down? 
I've been watching Dustin Box. I've been watching him on the ground. He's very active. On his feet, he has great angles. Like the thing is, you haven't seen it. I've seen him. I've been me and Dustin have been talking. I've been watching Spar. Dustin, let me tell you something. Dustin's gonna smash Gaethje. He's gonna stop Gaethje. He's gonna make him look amateur. He's gonna play with him. He's gonna look like Lomachenko, Mixer Errol Spence out there. Wow. Part my words. This is a Angle, bold. This is a bold yeah. statement. I mean, Poirier's got the ability, right? But we've seen him sort of succumb in his biggest, you know, biggest platform Wait. opportunities. Yeah, but now he's got more mature because before, I remember when I talked to me and Dustin been cool for a while, and I was and Dustin's gonna fight Connor. I was like, and Dustin was like getting all hyped up. I'm gonna knock him out. I'm gonna knock him out. I'm like, Dustin, why? Go out there and decision him. He's like, why? I'm not gonna do that. I'm like, no, just beat him up and decision him. You know why? Because once you beat a guy like that by decision and you dominate him in every aspect. They will rethink their conditioning, rethink their striking, rethink their kickbox. Like, I mean, rethink their wrestling, rethink their camp, rethink everything. And then they'll mentally fall apart. You know what I'm saying? Because Connor was the man. They're trying to build Connor to be the man. If Dustin would have decisioned them and dominated them, you know, 10 8 rounds, 3 10 rounds, or 10 9 rounds, easy, and, and, Connor, and Connor had no hope in that match, he, where do you think he'd be today? Uh, yeah, he got snake charmed like Eddie Alvarez did in the end, right? You know that even Nate yeah. did. You know they got they got yeah. coerced yeah, into yeah. standing yeah. on the feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But Dustin can wrestle and grapple. He has he, he can. I've seen him. He has good takedowns, good kicks. He's well rounded. That his problem was in the past his emotions. That's what got beat by Michael Johnson. He was trying to go for the kill versus Michael Johnson, but now that Dustin Poirier is gone. I think that him having a kid helped him, helped him learn patience. I've only seen him be patient one of the fights, and that's the fight, his first fight at 170, when he fought um, Diego, um, Diego Ferreira, I believe his name is, the, um, the guy from Brazil, the judo guy. I watched the team fight in Legacy before, and Dustin, didn't, Dustin just boxed him and outstruck him, didn't try to brawl with him, he just picked him apart and stopped him. You're talking about the that's, Diego Brandau fight? Yeah, Diego, no, no, it's not Diego Brandau, it's a... Carlos um, Diego Ferreira, uh, yeah, yeah, Carlos 2015, Diego Ferreira, yes. yes. Yep, yep. Knocked that's him the out in the first round. Go back and watch that fight. That's the first time you see Dustin fight behind a good jab, be patient, not not brawl. Because when he fought Eddie Alvarez, when he was touching Eddie Alvarez up, boom, 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 he hurt him. Guess who tried to do? Brawl. All he had to do was keep his distance and throw straight punches because he didn't have no patience. But now, he, now that he has, his, he has his child, he's become more patient. I believe in Dustin. I think Dustin, once he smashes Gaethje, he'll be, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be fighting for the belt, hopefully. Hey, when did uh, fatherhood come into the King Mo career? Did that change? Did that alter your your fighting persona at all? Uh, not really. You know why? Because coming from wrestling, I had so many so many wrestling matches. I knew how to make a how to stay patient. Things will, you know, things will will appear. You know, what I'm saying, if you stay patient and you work, have good setups, it'll all come. You know, and I learned that from pro wrestling because pro wrestling they said you can make a match look bad by rushing things. True. And, and, and anytime you rush, anytime you rush something other than mail, it's bad. Let's oh, be wow. real. Wow, I got to write that one down. Wow, uh, Kingbo, we got to touch on the more important fallouts of this McGregor thing. Number one, Habib, incredibly calm during this fiasco. Incredibly calm when the UFC embedded cameras interviewed him like a minute afterwards, and he's just like, "No, no, you want to fight with me? Come, come find me." In inside the cage, outside the cage. If you're King Mo in that minibus and Ryan Bader or whoever does that to you. Are you going to be that calm afterwards? Yeah, because the thing is, like, Habib, the thing is, like, first of all, Habib is from Dagestan. I've been there about five, six times. To, to be a man from Dagestan or a female from Dagestan, you have to be patient and, and you have to be calm because there's so much stuff that's happened out there in the past 
so much destruction, war, people getting killed. They see it, you know what I'm saying? They see it. They've seen worse. And, his, Walker, and he went through a week of hell of opponent changes like five times, yeah. and he never buckled. You got to give him mentally. You got to give him a lot. Yeah, of credit for because from, from from his Sambo background, he's seen it all. When you when you wrestle in tournaments, you're gonna face more than one style. See so to prepare for all for them all. In MMA, he's prefer prepare for one style. But in wrestling, grappling, you know, like tournaments, amateur tournaments, he has to prepare for all styles because you don't know what you're gonna see in the tournament. But in MMA, it's one on one, so you know what you're gonna see. All right. The other thing is is my big stick up in this situation with Connor. Okay, Kingbo, UFC is lucky. How, wh- wherever your stance is on whether parts of that Connor fiasco was set up, whatever you believe, even if you believe Connor just went too far, he went too far. So that could have been Kingbo a disastrous, disastrous situation for UFC and MMA. Because let's be honest, MMA is a sport that really. You know, through UFC's efforts the last 10 years has gone farther than any people ever thought it could, but there's still an audience who always going to be like, no, I'm not going to watch cage fighting, right? This could have been a palace brawl NBA type bad thing. Let's say that Dolly goes through the window, takes out Rose, she never fights again, right? Let's say that Dolly went through the window, took out the co and main event on UFC 223, right? This could have been disastrous. UFC is almost lucky that only Ray Borg and, and uh, Michael Chiesa had to pull out in the end, right? Yeah, what should, should, so yeah, in light of that, what yeah. should the punishment be? Because I feel like King Mo, this got to be like a year suspension because this was the crazy actions of a maniacal man that really could have screwed up the entire business and health of other people. Nothing's gonna happen to Connor, but Not it should. Thing. It really you got to send I, that but message. No, but think about this, right? I know, I know people in New York that said that when Connor got arrested, people asked for his autograph. The UFC called to. Hey, hey, because think about this. If, like, if Connor was anybody else, let's say Con- that was Woodley that did it. Oh, let's say that was. Um, would they get fired on the spot? Let's be yeah, honest. Let's say, yeah, yeah, let's say it's Whitaker that did it. Gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, now let's think about this, right? Three years ago, or was it four years ago when he fought Nate Diaz? Do the shoot in the crowd. That's strike one, right? Last year when he jumped the barrier. And slapped the, my Are you talking about when he threw water bottle? Are you talking about the water bottle? Yeah, the water bottle, yeah. Yeah, That's 2016, yeah. Yeah. Okay, then he jumps the barrier and slaps my boy Mike from uh, Bellator. Pushes, pushes a referee down twice? Yeah. yeah. Strike, strike three. So he, he's on his fourth strike, fifth strike. Nothing will happen to him. But here's the thing. If he ends up, let's say they give him, okay, he's going to have a court date, whatever. He's not going to do jail time. We know that. Let's say UFC even says, all right. You get a six-month suspension, which, by the way, would free him up to fight at MSG in November, which is going to be the UFC's next, like, monster money card. If they let him back in November and fight Habib or whoever, you have no backbone, UFC. You have no backbone. Like, King Mo, I don't mean to be, like, the the moral high ground guy who's like, wait, hold on. We almost lost a life here, but that was insane what he did. Like, let's be really honest. Like, there were other people in that van. That's insane. That could have been a, a monster public fiasco for UFC. If they reward him with a $25 million payday to fight somebody, like, I know how bad their, their economic situation is in terms of pay-per-view buys, but that's, come on, that's bad. They're going to reward him, man. Look, look, look who you're dealing with. You're dealing with the UFC, they're going to warn They're going to they're, they're gonna make him a little slap on the wrist and be fighting again. You're done with the UFC because the thing is, when it comes down to it, the fans don't care. They knew what they were going to. They knew. They knew about Connor throwing that water bottle. 
They knew about Connor jumping the barrier. They knew about all the stuff he's done, and guess what? Nothing has happened. Do you think this is kind of like a Canelo situation where, like, we all believe Canelo probably did wrong here, but we're also like, man, I really want to see that fight. Well, well, I don't know because the thing is that with Canelo, like, at least with Canelo, there's a track record of people filling drug tests in Mexico, Mongolia, and other other poor, not poor, poor regulated countries when it comes to when it comes to like livestock. True. As a matter of fact, I remember reading something about a soccer team. They had 109 people fail for clombuterol on a soccer team. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the thing is that they said Triple G's, I mean, Canelo's traces were lower than all of theirs. So, okay. Now with Connor, like what, like we saw him on film. We seen him on film doing all this. On film. You know what I'm saying? There's no speculation. That's why I'm saying you gotta suspend the crap out of this guy. John Jones got a year suspension, right? For that hit and run accident where, where, where he fell in the arrest, took the belt from him, shamed him. I, I don't want to like compare sins, but King Mo again. This could have been disastrous. Yeah, they don't care. What what punishment did Quentin Jackson get when he did the rampage thing with his car? That's fair, and and they're they're as desperate as ever right now. To, to exactly, you know, they're desperate. Um, let's see, like, like the last car did good because people because you know think people like here's the, here's the thing, right? The UFC will put out anything, and people will watch it even if it's garbage. You know what I'm saying? So they know they can do whatever they want. The fans will. It's gonna take. It's gonna take a fan boycott to be like, all right, we're not gonna watch this until we get, we get this. By the way, speaking, about, speaking of Dana White's lies, um, Saturday night after after the two twenty three in the post press conference, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna be at WrestleMania tomorrow to support Ronda Rousey, and th- people are asking him about Lesnar. He's like, oh, I didn't even know he was on the card. Like, I mean, it's, uh, just, it's just, yeah, okay. Like, it's just so there are some beliefs, King Mo, that Dana. Wanted a Connor run in and wanted the constant talk about Brock leaving to overshadow WrestleMania since nobody was talking about 223. If there's any part of that that's truthful, you won UFC because I did like 15 radio hits in a two day span talking about Connor and UFC. <sighs> they need stars. Connor, I, what they have right now? Connor. Habib, Daniel, but the thing is, Connor Habib actually will bring the pay per views because they have a country backing them. True. Rock has a fan base still back because he's big and he's from the WWE. Danny brought they, and from UFC's perspective, they need Brock badly. All right, well, I want to ask you what's next for Habib, okay? Because uh, he wants to fight November Madison Square Garden. He wants to fight GSP. GSP came back, told Ariel Hawani, you know, they got issues to deal with at, at 155. They can deal with that themselves. I think that was either GSP's way of saying no or saying you're going to have to give me a lot of money here. But the whole point of Habib wanting that fight, a dream fight, but he thinks because GSP has said that he only wants legacy fights, that's an opportunity because GSP said he will cut to 155 if he has to for St. Pierre to win th- belts in three divisions. And essentially, like, if you care about stuff like legacy and the best ever, you want to make the claim you're the best ever? Saying you're a three-division champion might be a good way to do that. Any chance we see Habib GSP in your mind? I catch you at 170, so, 71, something like that, One, or 170. Cause but without the belt, it's nothing, right? Without the belt, there's no there's no meaning. No, 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 but the thing is you don't need the belt. What does the belt mean anymore? Well, only to make that argument, because GSP cares about legacy, so only to make that argument that he is the best ever. Look what he just did. Three titles, three weight divisions. Yeah. Remember, the belt means nothing in the UFC. So him just fighting Habib means something. 
The name he's wore the belt. Let's think about this. At 155, they have three belts. They try, at, at 170, they have two belts. At 185, they could have had three belts. We got, a new, we got a new welterweight belt coming out, too. Colby Covington's going to get that, Yeah, chance. that's what I'm saying. Two belts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So what does the belt mean? That GSP can go out there and fight whoever he wants for five rounds. He'll need the belt because the belt, the belt means nothing. If you go five rounds, you beat somebody in five rounds, that's a championship fight. So in theory, it means nothing. I get what you're saying, but I'm just saying it in light of Habib saying, I don't fight for money. I fight for, you know, legacy and honor and glory. Like he seems to be the, one of the only guys left that cares about that stuff. Yeah, they all say that until until Dan White throws him a low ball offer, <laughs> and then suddenly it's about money. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. So, you know, so the thing is, if Habib just fought fought GSP, period, off the rip, it still means something. All right, Don't so, forget, so, he's, going, he's moving up a weight class, former champion from weight class below, or champion from weight class below, moving up to fight a two division champion. I, I like that a lot. What does UFC do next with Habib in your mind? If he's, let's say he's going to be MSG November and potentially a headlining role against who? Do you run back Tony? Tony's towards ACL, I believe. So, um, maybe we see Connor then. Oh. Yeah, Connor for a cash out. Connor for a cash out. Um, or my boy Dustin, Eddie Alvarez. There are people out there. It's just that who? And I think Dustin Poirier, let's see how Dustin Poirier looks. I believe he'll look fantastic. And I think people will be calling for Dustin Poirier to fight Habib. Eddie Alvarez did come out and say he is Habib's kryptonite. I don't, I don't know if I see that, uh, Eddie Alvarez. But I don't that's see a good it. Way I don't see to, Good way to but, try to but, get no, but the thing is, that Eddie Alvarez, is, he has some tricks standing. He's okay, but Habib is just something. Nah, Habib's just pressure. Habib's bigger, more relentless, better cardio. Right, the, other, the other 223 storyline was, of course, Rose Namajunas. So let's point this forward. Um, King Mo, at 25, like she could be the next great female star. Who do you who do you give her next? Man, I'm like okay, so she lost to Carolina. Lost to Carla. That's far as but the big the Brock Lesnar of that weight class. Who do you think it is? The Brock Lesnar of one fifteen. In what way? In terms of star power, or in terms of potential to? No, I'm talking about just ultimate badass. Andrade, Jessica Andrade. Yep. And do you want? And the thing is. How will Rose deal with Jessica Andrade? That'd be a style matchup that I would like to see. And the thing is, Jessica Andrade is a Vandalay Silva aggressive type with wrestling and a supreme gas tank. Yes. And she, yeah, I mean, she'll take damage and just keep coming. Yeah, and keep coming. So what can, so this is the time you might see, well, Rose will have to play cat and mouse. You can't walk her down because you walk her down, you'll get, you'll get hit with some left and rights and taken down. So she'll have to play you will see a different finesse Rose because with Andrade, you can't fight her. If you only could fight her the way she fight, like, you know, fist, like power for power is if Jessica got older or she fight a girl that's bigger and stronger, like, which she used to, which is up weight class and she was effective. The moment she came down, her style became ultra effective. I feel if you want to build up her to be a star, then you go back to one of those two losses for for Rose. You have her run back Asparza or Carolina and say, okay, she lost to the to, to these two, and I don't give her Andrade, who's most deserving right away on the UFC. Well, I give her Carolina because because who's Asparza beat to even That's a good point. who she yeah. So Carolina, Carolina, but then at the same time, Carolina struggled for his Harry. So right, right, you might you might have to give her Andrade. And look what Andrade did to Claudia Gadelia. 
smashed her. I think Rose will beat uh, Carolina in a rematch. And, you know, I was there at 201 in their first fight, and it was close to split decision. I think that Rose figured out some mental things. And during that time, by the way, that was when Pat Berry was in rehab and they were on the rocks in the relationship. I think that was when Rose wasn't as mentally tough. I think she's figured out that corner. I think she beats Carolina, who's tough as nails, but maybe doesn't have that next-level ability to take people out. Yeah, but Jessica Andrews does, and I think that's who the that's who the next that's who the next person Rose is gonna fight. All right, King Ball, I, I would love that fight. I would love it. Uh, it's a tough man. That's a tough fight for the champ. I told myself I wasn't going to talk to you about Floyd Mayweather in the UFC, but come on, Kimo, he doesn't stop talking about it. He was on Showtime Saturday night. By the way, let's let's right. pause for thirty seconds. I'm sure you watch the junior middleweight <laughs> unification bout between Arislandi Lara and Jarrett Swift. Heard, holy crap, that might be the fight of the year, Kimo. Give me thir- give me thirty seconds here. Talk on that fight of the year. Like, like, now, nobody Lara does fight? that to Lara. Nobody. No, but the thing is, uh, the way Lara fought, never seen him fight like that before. Well, in spots against Angulo because he had to, but Angulo is not Jared's, Jared Hurd, you know? Yeah, but just, but the thing is, when he hit Angulo with the one-two, and it was such Angulo, you saw him with her. But Jared Hurd kept coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And then think about this. When he dropped, when he dropped Lara with that left hook, imagine if he was sat down that left hook. If yeah. he was sat down Because it was just hook, this little sweeper. It was yeah, just it was like, like it was, little... it was, boom, because the thing is, he just throws. Like, this guy has no style. He just comes. No defense. Cause he, cause watch the fight again, right? And watch when watch Floyd made with his face when he's getting hit. Floyd's like, wow. Like, because Floyd was disgusted because he's getting hit too much. Floyd's a purist because of boxing. So he's like, hit and don't get hit. But <laughs> Jared Hurd, he'll hit you and get hit. He almost doesn't know that he shouldn't be that fearless. Like, cause he had, to, he didn't have a long amateur career and each no. fight that he steps up in, he sort of just is like, yeah, all right, I'm going to go try to win this. Him against Jermel Charlo. Holy crap. That's going to be money. Two unbeatens, two hungry dogs. Like that's going to be, cause these Charlos don't fool around King Mo. They went from being slick boxers to like pure knockout artists. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And they're, I love their aggression, but the thing is like from, 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 from that fight, you have cardio relentless. This verse, one punch, explosive power, like aggression. It's gonna be two guys, man. When this fight happens, oh, I'm gonna be so excited. King Mo's gonna wait. be ringside. We'll do this in Vegas. King Mo can, can go. go yeah, well, you see, you see, Charles fighting Austin Trout next. Yes, well, who who uh, gave it, it, who gave his yeah. brother Jamal some you know some issues. That was a good fight. A yeah, and so check this out, right? Let's see. Don't forget, Austin Trout got stopped. In his last fight by her. In a fight that he was winning at the midpoint. Remember yeah. that? He was put yeah, on pressure. Yeah. But, 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 but don't forget, Hurd, when Hurd fights, everybody's beating him up until the sixth round. Yes. He's almost Herd like a Deontay sport. Wilder. I mean, he's got way better technique than Wilder, but he's got some of that in him where it's like it takes him a while to figure it out. Well, no, no, with him, he's a pressure guy. He like If you watch him, he switches stances, comes forward, boom, 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 boom. And then it, it, it just lasts the day of school. All of a sudden, but it's different this fight because – this fight, I saw him in the pressure a lot sooner. He brought it in the second, third round, and after that, you can see, you can see Lara like trying to clinch and trying to sort of face. He couldn't, but usually he brings. When he fought Austin Trout, he brought the pressure in the seventh round, and he landed 118 punches in that round. Wow, wow! Or he actually threw 118 punches, threw 118 punches that one round, seventh round, seventh to eighth round, I believe, and then he went on to stop him. So that that supreme cardio from a guy that cuts. A lot of weight. He, oh, he looked like, he look like a light heavyweight in there against Lara. I well, mean, that was crazy. I heard he cuts from 180-something. Wow. That's some that's some Chavez Jr. type stuff. That's I mean, that's like <laughs> – Yeah, that's except, except insane. Except Chavez Jr. gets tired and he don't. 
Yeah, yeah, and Savage Jr. doesn't care about the sport. But the whole point of this was King uh, Floyd had a red, uh, awful red hat on, and he did a ringside interview there with Jim Gray. And he went back to the well. Yes, I'm training for MMA. I'll never box again. But the couple of the weird things was, you know, he said, I'll fight at 145 in UFC. He goes, if that's even a division. So, you know, great research there, uh, Floyd. But uh, I'll only fight McGregor. So, King Mo, the aftermath of that was some some of these lower MMA website, journalist sites that maybe don't have the credibility suddenly came out and said, UFC has been in talks all along for this modified rules fight. Of course, Dana came out on Twitter and squashed it, but we can't trust Dana anyway. Some people were saying they were the UFC this week was trying to the whole point of Connor coming there was to try to pin down a contract to get him to fight Floyd in one of these modified rules. Let's ruin the credibility of our sport type bouts. Is this, again, the only avenue for for any truth to this Floyd nonsense? Yeah, it has to be modified. It has to be modified. It has to be modified because, look, like I told you, I cool Vince Phillips fought Masato and took two a few kicks and broke his arm and leg. It still has nerve damage. But Does who wants to that? see a modified like if you're going to do a boxing match in a UFC cage? Then guess what has to happen? Then Floyd's got to be your co-promoter. Floyd says Showtime's got to be involved. Dana's not doing that, right? Or is he just going to? He just doesn't care. He's, I they, think he will. Well, thing, don't forget the modified MMA rules. I've seen it in Australia. They have rules like that in Australia where it's a stand-up. Um, if you can throw a few kicks here and there, and grappling is only ground and pound, no submissions. So I've seen that, but they're going to have to do that for Floyd because what, what's Floyd going to do? If if he if if it's not if it's not on fair terms for him, he's not going to take it. Oh, I want nothing to do with that. All right, let's get into some fights this weekend. Let's quickly break it down. Friday night, Bell Tour one ninety seven from St. Charles, Missouri. The main event: Michael Chandler, the former lightweight champion, against Brandon Gertz. Uh, we got to see Chandler get back in, into a chance at this belt, right? Yeah, it's just it just comes down to Primus. Remember, he's supposed to fight Primus. If Primus is injured, or Primus or Primus is injured, so that's why the fight never happened. I, I still want to see that. We we saw that at Bellator NYC, right? And Chandler turned his foot, and we didn't. We never really saw that fight. I want to see that fight still. So hopefully this will be the last spot. You know, Chandler, a, a St. Louis guy, kind of going home for this card. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, we yeah. also have Saturday UFC Fight Night, Glendale, Arizona, like we talked about. This Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier lightweight main event has all the makings to be fire. We've already heard that you like Poirier, who's coming off a of victory. HG coming off that that really tough loss against Alvarez. How does Poirier win this fight then? Man, Poirier's gonna beat him up. Poirier's gonna beat him up and stop him. He's gonna stop him. I'm telling you, he's gonna beat him up, break him down. Errol Spence like, Errol Spence like technique, and you're gonna see some some Lomachenko slickness. All right. Mark my words on that. All right. Mark but my, if I, somebody's I, I, gonna break. Poirier's spirit, though, and lure him back into a brawl, Gaethje's the the guy. That's all he does. That's what he lives for. He's a caveman. Yeah, but the thing is, he's he's almost too predictable. Like, look, when have you ever seen Gaethje go for a takedown? Never. And he can wrestle. He's an All-American. Uh, when have you ever seen him sprawl? He don't really sprawl much. So does Poirier – so is Poirier – because Eddie Alvarez's game plan to beat Gaethje was, I'm going to rely on my technique, but when I need to, I'm going to out-brawl you. Like, when you're coming on too strong, I'm going to stand up and meet that aggression. Is there some sort of model in what Alvarez did that Poirier should follow? Can he really be that slick and keep him away for three, five rounds? Yeah, because the thing is, like, the reason why Eddie Alvarez chose to battle is because he's trying to swing for the fences. Click, click. When you want to break somebody down, you got you just got to touch him and chip away, chip away, All keep right. chipping away. All right. Go to the body, leg kick, 
beat them up. Because the thing is that once you go to the body and you take out their legs and their, and their, and their, their, their lungs, then you have, a, you have a punching bag in front of you. And guess what? Gaethje is an offensive punching bag. He just does. He covers up, checks. He's a punching bag, and then he'll fire back. But he's dangerous. But the thing is, if you go to his body, break his le- break down his legs, guess what? He becomes less and less mobile. He's not that mobile anyway. You know what I'm saying? And he'll be there to get hit even more. And the thing is, Eddie Alvarez was lucky because he, he threw that he threw that um that knee, and that, that knee saved him. Because you can see the tide start to turn, turn, and you can see him start to get, get tired. You see him start to back up. And you can see Gage, he starting to do work on him. I can't wait to see that fight. It's going to be good. The other fight of note on there is that co-main event. Carlos Condit, the welterweight against Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, this could be it for Condit, right? King Mo, he's lost six of his last eight. Made his comeback, of course, in December. Got beat by Neil Magny. Just looked a little bit lifeless. Three-fight losing streak. Uh, it feels like winner go home here. Do you agree? Uh, nah. I think that, I think that, I think they gave Condit that fight just for, I think, cause, you know, Cowboy is dangerous. But Carlos Conde has more, so many more ways to win the fight, more technical, you know, as close to his home, you know, say New Mexico is close. I, I think that I think that um, that they just gave him that fight because I heard the the first fight fell through. I forgot who he was fighting before that. Matt Brown fell yes, through. Yes. But Cowboy is like he's not as dangerous. He's dangerous, but he's not like Matt Brown where he doesn't have as many tools. He, I don't think his condition is the same. If Condit's fresh, he should be able to, yeah. to out technique him, but. Man, Cowboy's coming in there to, to to try to push you in the deep end of the pool. That's that's what he does. Yeah, but the thing at the same time, he gets tired himself in the deep end of the pool. Very true. So he's coming off that that fight of the year against Yancey Medeiros from December. So it should be interesting. King Mo, they can follow you on the on the social webs at King Mo FH. Do you have any messages for your fans for Ryan Bader on the way out here? Ryan Bader, be ready. We got a few more weeks left. Be ready. Come to fight. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm trying to give you a Jared Hurd performance. Wow. I'm trying to dog him out. That's what that's the thing. Dog out. Jared Hurd dogged out Lara. And that's what I'm coming to do to you. Maybe we'll get some of this. When they step foot in that cage, they're going to pay the price with nap time. Got any, we got nap time in our future? Well, I guess we'll see what happens. You know, coma time. Wow, 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 wow. All right, King Bo. I think you're ready. I, I see I see the fire in your eyes. I think look, you're ready. Man, look, I, I'm ready, man. Look, th- this is the best I felt. My best condition. Look, when I'm sparring, I have got I have like three guys. I go get to different rounds. Sometimes I have two guys for one round. So they'll just rotate on me in that round. I'm ready, man. Love it. Love it. Kingbo, thanks so much for joining us. You have a a two-word message for the people as you exit today. We out. <laughs> <laughs>